I know the leagues. I know the teams. I know these players. I know this wonderful game called football. It's time for a value bet. Oh, this is when the cream rises to the top. This is when things get on. The largest sports wagering angles you need to know. Stats, records, rankings, weather. If the goalpost is tilted just a little bit. Value bet on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. You can bet your children's unborn children's children on these six games. Value bet. This is America's premier sports information program. Here's Jonathan Hood. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome in to another edition of Value Bet. I am Jay Hood. Don't forget to catch me with David Kaplan, my friend, from 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Value Bet, we do this every week. You know, I'm a big college football fan. But this weekend, starting on Thursday, because it's Thanksgiving, there's plenty of NFL and college football action. So every week we talk to our guy Gary Seegers out of Memphis, Tennessee. Gary Seegers is from winningcureseverything.com. You can follow him on Twitter at GaryWCE. We'll give you the best plays in all three NFL games that will take place on Thanksgiving, including the Bears for the first time ever on uh, Value Bet here for this season. Also, a couple of key games for college football as well. Let me make a call down to Memphis, Tennessee. We'll hook up with Gary Seegers. And don't forget, Value Bet is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings, DraftKings.com. And don't forget to download the app, DraftKings, and use the promo code WMVP. That's our station, WMVP. Uh, and it's always been good to me as I'm going to bet a lot of college football this weekend and definitely the NBA. So check it out, DraftKings, the title sponsor for Value Bet with me, the Jay Hood. Let me call Gary. We'll get another way with another edition of Value Bet. And here we go with Gary Seegers from winningcureseverything.com with this edition of Value Bet. A lot of great games for Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving weekend. And Gary joins us here on ESPN Chicago. Gary, we appreciate your time as always. Oh, anytime. You know this is a pleasure for me. I enjoy the conversation. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So when you take a look at Thanksgiving, I mean, there's always got to be a must, right? It's got to be something that must be on the table. Uh, for me, it's not necessarily turkey. I don't mind a nice Cornish hen uh, from time to time. For some reason, the uh, my family makes a nice Cornish hen on the grill, and it uh, it works out well for me. Uh, is there a must for you for Thanksgiving? It's got to be on the table. A Cornish hen. You ever had what, that? Man, what, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, yes, I've had it, but my goodness, what are we talking about? Uh, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. Look, we had a crawfish boil. Last year, so I, <laughs> I'm game with with just about anything. But uh, but yes, I the thing that has to be on the table for me is sweet potato casserole. Oh. I like I like that, and uh, and my mother and my mother in law both make an absolutely incredible green bean casserole. Mm-hmm. So those two things I gotta have, whether we're having a crawfish bowl or something else. I mean, just it, it, those two have to be there. No matter what. So sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole for me. Okay, so my family's from Arkansas, so we call it dressing. Do you call it dressing or do you call it stuffing? We call it dressing. 
Okay. I, I, sometimes it's stuffing, but it's it's still dressing. Okay, <laughs> right, exactly right. Now I don't go to the local grocery. I don't know if it says dressing on there. I think it says stovetop stuffing, but we call it dressing in in this house and down south. Oh, most certainly. It's it's always it's always dressing. It's always going to be dressing, but it's it could be something completely different each time. Uh, but yes, I, we we do have that as well, and it is uh, typically fantastic. There are times that it gets a little overcooked and whatnot, but that's okay. Uh, we find a way to moisten it up, you know, a little gravy, something here and there. We'll uh, we'll find a way to make it good. But uh, yes, I'm I am very much looking forward. Uh, to getting to just eat all day and watch football all day on Thursday. <laughs> is is there a particular way you like your turkey cooked? Does it matter? So I I do enjoy uh, a good fried turkey, mm-hmm. right? I enjoy that, but uh, I, I like it smoked for the most part because I can eat on it for you know multiple day, almost a week past uh, past the time that we smoke it. Uh, because we'll have smoked turkey sandwiches and whatnot, like it'll be pulled and and all that. So I do like smoked, but uh, but fried turkey is pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, see, between Memphis and Alabama, where you where you travel for all this great cuisine, it's fine. <laughs> you can be able to do a lot of this stuff with maybe with a light jacket. I mean, here here we are here in the frozen tundra of the Midwest with a you know a heavy coat, a heavy parka, you know, and we're looking like we're part of NFL films with the smoke coming out of our, our mouths, you know, and smoke coming out of our ears because it gets so cold there. Like, it's not for the a week at heart if you're going to be doing that outside in the in the Midwest here in Chicago. No, this is certainly true. I can understand that. But, uh, you know, sometimes you got to be able to sacrifice a little bit if you want the uh, the better things in life. And, and that would be one of them. So you want some uh, some good turkey. You want to be able to smoke it. You want to be able to fry it. Uh, you're going to have to do it outside. So, you know, just invest in a nice Columbia jacket. And uh, and maybe some mittens, and you'll be fine. Well, um, it's all good. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. That Gary Seegers for the Ch- Chamber of Commerce of Tennessee. That, if that wasn't a commercial for me to move to Tennessee, where where it's it's nice, where you can barbecue outside pretty much year round. There it is. You just laid it out for us right there. There you go. There you go. Lower Alabama and uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, both. Uh, it can get kind of cold, but it's it's nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Yeah, well, I just I can't wait myself because football and food it just happens to go together. And I, I will say this: this will be the first time that you and I have discussed the Bears long form. Uh, that is my personal hell every day. It, 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 there's, there's nothing like getting up, you know, four o'clock in the morning, knowing that when that morning show starts, Gary Seegers, that you got to talk about a shitty Bears team every single you, day. You have certainly got that right. I am blessed. That I get to discuss things uh, on a national level, right? Yes. Uh, I, I had to cover Memphis specifically for a little while, and that was uh, pretty irritating uh, because when you've only got that one small subset of teams to discuss and things aren't going well, yeah, it gets a little irritating. Uh, but now, I, if, if I don't like the direction something's going, <laughs> the Bears, then uh, then I don't have to talk about them a whole lot. You know, I uh, I will tell you this: I, I do like their chances on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I do think uh, well, I do think they're at least better than the Lions. Well, I you know even I, even with Justin Fields out, I think I can speak for all Bears fans and say thank you very much for the pat on the head on that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that. I mean this this has been a shit storm. This, I mean it has been through the losing streak, but also this week where there's a report out there that says that Matt Matt Nagy's going to be fired no matter what happens on Thursday, and I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. The Bears don't fire coaches in season. The Bulls do. Uh, that, that's what the Bulls do. The Bulls fired yeah, Scott Skiles yeah. on Christmas. 
They fired Bill Cartwright on Thanksgiving. Tim Floyd, I think they fired on Christmas as well. So they don't care much about the holidays. But the Bears usually will allow a coach to play out the string. So that's the scuttlebutt here, whether or not Matt's going to make it or not. It's. Uh, I, I really thought before the season, uh, honestly, at the end of last season, I was surprised that they kept him, even though they made the playoffs. Uh, but you just you look around the landscape, and I mean, is there anybody that really stands out that that you would go get for the Bears that would really be better than what Matt has been? Um, and yes, you can obviously point to a, you know a bunch of guys here and there, but is there anybody you can definitively say would be a significantly better hire? And I don't know that you can necessarily do that, so I, I don't blame them for getting their ducks in a row and making sure they've got you know things figured out. Uh, because I'm sure that there have been conversations that have been had in the background because he ain't getting it done. Like it, they have just not been very good at all. Uh, I understand what he was doing early in the season with naming Andy Dalton as as the QB one, and we're going to let Justin Fields develop and whatnot. Because I, truth be told. I didn't know if, if Justin Fields was going to be a great NFL quarterback or not. I know he fits the mold of what we want from modern NFL quarterbacks, but uh, you got a veteran like Andy Dalton in there. Let the young guy learn without getting his confidence completely shattered. Uh, and then, of course, Andy Dalton goes out. You get Justin Fields in there, and then he gets hurt. Now you got Andy back. You know, at, at least they've got somebody that's at least relatively competent to be able to play the position. I mean, imagine if uh, if they were the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point, and you're having to trot Mason Rudolph out there. I mean, yeah. good grief! Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, that's that's horrible. But you know, you asked the question, and it's a question that uh, you and I brought up a couple weeks ago when I when we talked about college coaches. We said, well, you could fire Jim Harbaugh, but do you have someone better? It's just only just the cycle of maybe three or four coaches, unless you have some hot coordinator that we don't know. If it's the big names like the Jimbo Fishers or the or the Jim Harbaugh's, or, or, or coaches like that, usually you'll say, no, I'm going to stick with them. I, Michigan State's a perfect example, right? So so you're going to lock up Mel Tucker because you don't want him to go elsewhere, and I have no problem with that. Now, now that same question in the NFL, yeah, I can give you a list of candidates for sure that would be better than Matt Nagy. Like, I could start with Eric Bieniemy, but do you want to go back to the Kansas City tree again? That's one thing. And the hot name that you well know is Ryan Day. Because uh, of of Coach Day and his experience with Justin at Ohio State, I think that that's where the Bears are going to be looking now. Matt's making Matt Nagy's making I think uh, I think five, six million dollars a year. You got to pay Day yeah, at least NFL, ten, right? Yeah, NFL coaches uh, typically do not make as much as college coaches do right now because in college, I mean, you can't pay the players. The money's got to go somewhere, and the NFL money has always been bananas as far as the tv stuff that's the difference kind of between college football and in the nfl the reason why college coaches tend to churn in and out so often is once you lose the fan base you start losing that revenue stream of tickets etc uh the the tv money is not as great in college as it is in the nfl Mm -hmm. so in the nfl it doesn't matter if there are people coming to the games you're still going to make the money regardless uh, it, it just you got to make sure you got everything in a row. Uh, they would have to pay Ryan Day a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, he's he's making I want to say eight right now. Uh, you'd have to pay at least ten, yeah. I bet, to yeah. get him to uh, to leave that job because uh, he's got it rolling at Ohio State. Why would you leave that gig if you are comfortable with recruiting and 
you know, why, he doesn't feel that need uh, to, to scratch the itch to go into the NFL yet. So I, you'd have to really give him an offer that he couldn't he couldn't refuse. See, I'm a college guy, uh, and similar to you, where you cover college for for a long time. I I I know that um, pro fans like to uh, cherry pick college guys, but I'm just like, you, guys, you still understand, like the when you are good in college football, you own the state. You own the yes. state. Yes, the recruiting's a pain in the ass. Yes, everything you got to deal with, and you know it's so razor thin between getting to uh, the final four and not. But the point is, though, is that you own the state. Like Saban's never leaving, and like if you're Ryan Day, you want to own the state of Ohio. You want to get a chance to get in the mix. And I think some pro fans don't get that. Like, oh, of course you'd want to step up. Well, no, that's not for everybody. So I, if I had my druthers, I'd rather be a college coach to be able to have my own system, I'm the king of it, I'm the head coach, and I don't have to worry about some GM that's going to fire me in a year or two. That's that's how I look at it as a college football fan. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, if you know what you're doing, and, again, if you're comfortable with recruiting, because there are some guys that just live and breathe it, right? They just want to teach football, and they want to be able to impact young lives. In the NFL, you don't impact young lives. Like it's that's a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, still a little bit of purity left in the sport of college football, which makes it a completely different entity. And and I appreciate it more for that. Right? There's still more passion, more tradition. The pageantry is different. I, I love college football more. Now that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate a good NFL game, right? Because I certainly do. Yes. Uh, but it's just a different game. It's it's completely different. It's all business once you get to that level. All right, I know, I know value bet listeners. He's like, where's the picks? How come I don't hear any picks? All right. When Gary and I start flapping our gums, you know, you got to understand that we were vaccinated with the, you know, with a needle from a record. So you got to understand that. that these, happen, these things happen, right? So we like to be able to have a conversation. Here are your picks. Don't worry. We got them here for you. All right. So the, so the Bears and the Lions. So I, uh, I want to talk to you a, a little bit about the ebb and flow of this. I have it here as the Bears are a two and a half point favorite. The over under is forty one and a half, as this will be uh, in Detroit for the uh, Thanksgiving traditional game. So, Gary, I saw this as high as three, then three and a half for the Bears, uh, and so now that we know Andy Dalton is the starter and not Justin Fields because of the rib injury, why do you think the number is so low? Why is it? Why did it go down to two and a half? I uh, I think because of the casual betters thinking that Justin Fields is everything with the Bears, right? And I don't believe that they are. Even with Fields out, with Andy Dalton as the starting quarterback, I still have this line at four uh, when I look at the numbers. Uh, Detroit is really bad. I mean, they're yeah. just – they're pretty awful. Uh, even with the, the whole rash of injuries uh, on defense for the Bears, uh, taking out all those players, the Bears' defense still number 16 in total DVOA. And that's that's with all the injuries, which is it's surprising to me, but still really good defense uh, for the. How about this average defense, but really good compared to the Detroit offense, which is number thirty in DVOA. Uh, that is really really bad. I on the other side, I mean Chicago's offense with Andy Dalton as the starter, number twenty six in DVOA. Uh, Detroit's defense is number twenty eight. Uh, Detroit is, I mean, bad bad bad. Um, they do have games where they certainly put up a fight, but if this line is at two and a half, I am absolutely taking the Bears to be able to cover here. Uh, the Lions have not had a lot of success on Thanksgiving for whatever reason, 
and I, I don't expect them to have it here. I'll take the Bears in this spot. I don't know as we record this on Wednesday if Jared Goff is going to play. I'm thinking he's not going to start. I think it's going to be ball. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, and would it matter if Goff started to you? It it will not matter okay. in the slightest. Okay. <laughs> this, right. this offense is uh, is just not good one way or the other. Um, you know, he missed last game with an oblique injury. I would imagine he will play on Thursday. Uh, but you got to get him out there. You got to see what the pain tolerance is. Uh, but it's not going to make a difference. I, I just I, he's that system is just not set up yet. They don't have a ton of chemistry. I I don't expect them to have a ton of success at all. Dallas Cowboys are a seven and a half point favorite against the Las Vegas Raiders. Over under uh, fifty one and a half. How do you see this game in the Big D? I love Dallas coming off of the loss last week. Now, obviously, I jumped on here and talked about how Dallas was going to win at Kansas City. Uh, I underestimated the buzzsaw with the Chiefs last week. And I no, also no, did no, not no, know... No, I don't blame you, Gary. Well, Gary, I don't blame you because you didn't know that Kansas City was going to show up. That's old Kansas City we saw last week. How do, you, you how, right. how do we know? How did we know that Kansas City was going to come out and got gangbusters and like that and that Dallas couldn't move the football? No one knew. Nobody had a clue, but I will tell you this. Uh, you and I talked before it was revealed that Amari Cooper was not going to play, mm-hmm. and I immediately said, oh, no, because for whatever reason, the chemistry changes whenever Cooper is not in there. It's it, it's like he's just a fail-safe option, right? He, for whatever reason, Dak Prescott and him, as long as they are on the field together, he doesn't even have to be throwing it at Amari Cooper, and the offense still clicks. But when he's not there, there's no security blanket, it feels like. So that did kind of change things up for me. Uh, from what I have seen, um, you know, uh, Cooper's out for a little bit, and, and who knows what's going to happen. But I think the fact that you have been able to go through an entire week of practice without him, I'm, I'm going to roll Dallas here. I like Dallas overall. Their defense is very underestimated. Uh, number four in total DVOA on defense. And and on offense, I mean, obviously, number eight total DVOA. This this Dallas team is a top five efficiency team. Uh, and the Raiders, this team has just fallen off a cliff. That's right. And, and of course, there's all the stuff that's going on in, in off the field. Uh, and we won't have to get into all that. But they lost their coach, lost two of their first round guys, had to cut those guys uh, – it feels like it's all falling apart for the Raiders, and I don't see any reason to believe that Dallas won't beat them by more than seven and a half. I think they're going to win by double digits here. Gruden aside, I think we see what the Raiders are, right? I think that's. Yes. I think that was pretty clear anyway. I think uh, Gruden or or no Gruden, it's uh, it's about talent, and the team was just you know barely above five hundred, and that wasn't very good anyway, Gary. So it's just kind of like. Okay, this is who they are. They had a little bit of momentum post Gruden, but then the the talent or lack thereof revealed itself. So. Well, I will tell you this: there is a whole lot to team chemistry, right? Yeah. And with Gruden and with all these guys going through camp and whatnot, they looked like a really good, competent football team early on. And once you start, you know, putting a few uh, scratches on it here and there, uh, it all just it fell apart quickly. And I, I don't think they're very good, so I'm going to take the uh, the Cowboys there. Buffalo is a six-point favorite against New Orleans. The over-under is 46.5. And, and shout-out to Taysom Hill. 
All you got to do is say, coach, you know, I can play fullback, kick returner, tight end, quarterback, running back, and I can do whatever you need. And he gets a contract and it can be as up as, as high as 90 million. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good chunk of change to do everything. It's not bad. It is not bad. I mean, he is the Swiss Army knife. And this team is what what an interesting handicap this is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the number that you've got? Five and a half. I have it at six and, a, and the six? over under 46 and a half. Yeah, I, I tend to like the six even more um, for the Saints at home. Buffalo, it should be better. But we, we kind of – maybe you and I didn't talk about this in the offseason. Uh, Josh Allen had a ridiculous season last year that was completely out of the norm for him. Yes. And when you have something like that, you got to be able to pay attention and say, okay, what is this team if he's not playing at that peak level? And Buffalo is still a really, really good team, but they are not Super Bowl level if he's not at, you know, a full 100%. Like, if he's not playing out of his mind, uh, they are just a really good football team. And going against this Saints defense, uh, this Saints defense is really good. Number five in total DVOA. Uh, Buffalo's defense is number one. I I kind of like the fact that Buffalo, I almost expect them to only be able to score via explosive plays. And that's partly why, by the way, there is a a variance metric in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of these teams rank in the bottom six as far as the most volatile team. Like anything can happen with these two teams. Uh, But total DVOA, New Orleans number nine, Buffalo number five. uh, They're really close. Like even even with uh, Jameis Winston out, the New Orleans offense will find a way to score. It almost it almost helps out Sean Payton when he loses a quarterback so that he can be more creative and come up with different ways to get playmakers the ball. In this game, I kind of expect them to do the same thing. You'll see something crazy, fake punt, something off the cuff that you wouldn't normally see. And, and I think the New Orleans defense is going to be able to keep them in this game. This feels more like a field goal game to me as opposed to a touchdown game. So I'm, I'm going to roll with the Saints on it. You heard that right, folks. It is Buffalo, New Orleans, and the under. All right, we move on now to... <laughs> That's kind of... Yeah, you're probably not wrong on that. <laughs> I think these defenses are awesome. When I when I pretend like I don't hear you, that's actually going to be that's usually my bet. That's usually how I thought. That's, that's like, I am listening, but it, I always pretend like I'm not listening. I just say something that you didn't say. Um, uh, so, could you tell everybody before we talk about Ole Miss and Mississippi State on Thursday why this game, out of everything that we're going to see in college, this game means so much to you? You mentioned this on Twitter, and I think you might have said this on the podcast as well that you're really looking forward to this game. I am, and it's mainly the coaching matchup. The rivalry itself is bananas. I am down here right in the middle of it. Uh, Starkville is about two and a half hours away from Memphis, and Oxford is about an hour, give or take, away from Memphis. Uh, But these two teams, you know, the the schools are an hour to an hour and a half away from each other. It is – there is no bigger difference between the the personality of fans than between Ole Miss and Mississippi State – uh, Ole Miss is the very hoity-toity, wearing a, a button-down shirt with your bow tie, everybody you know drinking champagne in the Grove and all that. And then state fans, which are uh, – that's a, an engineering uh, agricultural school that they all ring cowbells. Yes. <laughs> I mean that's that maybe all you need to know about it. Like there is a huge difference between the two types of fan bases, and they hate each other. 
And what's really entertaining right now is you've got two head coaches that actually like each other. Like this rivalry met a whole new level of hatred when Hugh Freeze and Dan Mullen were there because those two guys did not like each other and they let everybody know it. And now you've got two coaches that are, you know, that were out on the West Coast, uh, but are now SEC guys and Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin and, and they kind of like each other. They, they respect each other and Lane Kiffin coming out this week and saying, you know, it's, it, you shouldn't hate somebody just because of where they went to school. And you could obviously tell that this guy did not grow up in the SEC. He doesn't understand, uh, what's going on here. You can absolutely hate somebody for where they went to school. And, and I fully support the hatred, especially in a football matchup. <laughs> but, um, it, this game is just going to be interesting because this three three five defense that Zach Arnett runs uh, for Mississippi State, I want to see what they're going to be able to do against this crazy uh, counter-heavy running game, like this spread zone running game that, that Lane Kiffin implements with, uh, with Jeff Levy. Mm-hmm. I want to see how those two teams match up. And on the other side, Will Rogers, the quarterback for Mississippi State, has been light out. He's unbelievable. So this will be the first time that people have really gotten a chance to see him play. If a lot of people only watched him play against Alabama, then you are missing out because he is unreal. Like his numbers are through the roof and, and you'll get to see it against this Ole Miss defense, which is uh, not great. I mean, this is not a great Ole Miss defense at all. I I can't wait. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in this. Um, tell me, tell me your opinion on this game. I mean, it, it it may not mean a whole lot on the national level, but I don't think it gets any better than having those, uh, these two teams on Thursday night. Well, first of all, I love the pageantry of college football, so I'll definitely be watching that instead of Buffalo and New Orleans because that's a night game, Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, I'm going to take the over of 66 and a half and uh, put my feet up. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not Because I'm not sure, Gary – I. I'm not sure who's going to win the game. I know I'm going to enjoy it. I know the ball's going to be in the air, and I know that's going to be fun. Um, and so that's that's how I look at this game. I, it's going to be fun. That's more appealing to me than actually anything that's on the NFL slate, quite frankly, on Thursday. It, it so so maybe I can talk you off of the over, and, okay. and here's why: it's not fun to bet unders. I understand that, but. Uh, these are two of the most undisciplined teams in the country. Yes. Mississippi State, number 123 in penalties per game. Ole Miss, number 127. Yes. Now, there's only 130 FBS teams. Uh, but also, on the other side, uh, Ole Miss, number three in drives inside the opponent 40-yard line in the country. Mm-hmm. They are number 89 in offensive points per scoring opportunity. That is putrid. They They cannot finish drives with points for whatever reason. And it's not – turnovers it's not anything like that it is they miss field goals or they turn the ball over on downs because you know lane kiffin likes to go for it on fourth down uh, a lot of times it will play to his advantage but Ole miss can't seem to finish drives uh, on the other side state can um but they they don't get as many opportunities as as Ole miss does so i'm i will tell you i think that the state defense is really, really good, and it's unlike anything that Ole Miss has had to play mm-hmm. so far this year. They are really aggressive, and their stuff rate this season, uh, which is uh, when the defensive line is able to get a tackle or a stop uh, at the line of scrimmage, they're number 19 in the country. And Ole Miss likes to run the ball. If they can't run the ball in this situation, 
Matt Corral is going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, we, we may not see a ton of points in this game. I am going to stay away from the total because I am hoping for points. Yes. But, but I see it much more as, uh, as a little bit lower scoring game. This has all of the same feels that Ole Miss and Tennessee did earlier in the season when it was a total of like 79. Right. And I think the actual total ended up hitting, what was it? It was 31 25. Yeah. So, uh, so 56 points. You know, I, I'm a little worried about that because I think that the state defense is pretty good. Um, and the, the Ole Miss offense with DJ Durkin as their defensive coordinator, they're not great. Uh, I mean, obviously number 108 in success rate, number 125 in scoring opportunities, et cetera, but they don't give up a ton of points. I, I don't know how they do it. It is the perfect example of bend, but don't break. Um, I don't, I don't know why these two teams don't score as much as they, they probably should. Uh, but that's, that's the way that I would lean on it would be the under. Uh, and I'm, I think state at home is going to have a ridiculous crowd. I, yeah. I think state's going to be able to win this football game. Okay, here. So I just want you to understand that I, I'm going to click the under. If this ga- <laughs> if this game goes over, okay. If it goes over, I just want you to. know, I have family in Huntsville. They will be able to find you, and they're going to get. They're going to put. <laughs> there's going to be big spotlights on the home that you're in, and I don't know what's going to happen after that, Gary. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Like they will Here's be able what to you find need you. to do. Let, okay. me, let me tell you what you need to do. Okay. You need to hedge your emotions. If you are wanting it over, then you go ahead and bet the under. And that way, it doesn't matter if you lose the bet. You still get the joy of watching all those points being scored in Starfield, Mississippi. If this, game, go- you, if this game goes over, <laughs> I have family in Huntsville. They will find you. I can't get to you because I'll be in Chicago, but they can. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, there, there, there is it. there is no Roscoe Pico train deputy or sheriff down there that can stop my family from coming after you. I'm just telling you, <laughs> him and his gun with no with no bullet, and you know, I'm just telling you, this is just, it's going to happen. All right, I, I'm with you. I hear you loud and clear, my friend. <laughs> Just, you know, and, and I'm and I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to enjoy this game, even though I'm not a Leech fan, because Leech has to understand. It's a long conversation, but it's just like, Mike, you got to be able to evolve. This ain't seven on seven, man. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. That, that's oh, that's you. the problem. Like you got all your plays on a little on a cocktail napkin. You know, I, I kind of appreciate the idea, especially in college where you've only got so many hours. Yeah. Uh, in a week. I kind of like the idea of keeping the game plan a little more simple, keeping the playbook smaller, and just getting really, really good at what you do. Like, almost to the point where nobody can stop you, even if they know what's coming. Uh, now, obviously, there's always going to be teams that find a way to to slow you down. I mean, he ran into that against uh, was uh, Washington right. when he was at Washington State. Um, but for the most part, you're going to be able to win seven, eight ball games a year doing that at Mississippi State. That's true. I just... I would love for him, for a smart guy, to be able to show something. Because I know he's old school. He's got to have something in the playbook that's more than what I've seen over the years. But that, but what you see is what you get with Leech teams, pretty much. Uh, you, you've certainly got that right. Well, that's that's you it. That right. That's why it just drives me nuts, because I know he's got more. But he just he keeps it simple. You, you ever see him on the sidelines with that little... Like that little matchbook that he writes his plays on. Like, oh, he's yeah. It's like, just like the smallest little thing. Like, how do you even see what you're writing? Anyway, <laughs> Ohio State against Michigan, uh, the big one. The Buckeyes are an eight-point favorite over-under at 64.5 uh, the last time I saw this. How do you see this game here with Michigan? Is Will this be, again, 
Doomsday for Harbaugh. Yes. Ah. It will be Doomsday for Harbaugh. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many people that want Michigan to be good and want Michigan to be in this game, but I don't feel like I need to remind you that last season, before the season started, they had this big, giant, Big Ten uh, conference call, and Harbaugh accused Ryan Day of some improprieties in their practice schedule or whatever else was going on there. Uh, and Ryan Day did not take kindly to that, and he went to practice and told his boys that they were going to hang 100 on Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then Michigan had to cancel the game last year. Now, who knows what actually happened? They say that they didn't have enough players because of COVID. Okay, I get it. But the belief in Columbus is that they could have played that game, that they had the players. Remember, Ohio State was down a whole lot of players uh, for almost the entire season. They had to change the Big Ten rules to be able to let them back into uh, the Big Ten title game. But I I don't see how Michigan is able to score with Ohio State. The biggest point is this – Ohio State is number eight in scoring opportunities, which is, like I said earlier, drives inside the 40-yard line. They are number one in points per scoring opportunity. That's 5.17. So when they get down there, they score. Michigan on the other side, they are number 12 in drives inside the 40. They are number 63 in points per opportunity. They cannot finish drives. And if you can't finish drives, you're not going to be able to hang with Ohio State. Uh, the seven and a half or eight or eight and a half or whatever it is, is not enough because Ohio State's going to win this by double digits. Ryan Day hates Jim Harbaugh, mm-hmm. and he will show it on the field on Saturday because this is the first time that they've gotten to play since all that stuff happened. Uh, throw out all the other stuff. We, we can look at numbers until we're blue in the face. Uh, Ryan Day has the better football team, and he has a he, he's vengeful. He is going to run this up, uh, and I am all in on it. So I, I have... I've already bet it. That's one of my bets on the uh, the Bet U.S. College Football Show. I'm all in on Ohio State here. Uh, just very very quickly, you're, I'm just curious for for what would be your line for this game? Because I think eight is light. Eight is incredibly light for me. I made the line thirteen, uh, and even <laughs> <think> that, that. <laughs> even that I think is uh, is a little crazy. I, like I I think they could win by three touchdowns. Oh, <laughs> Jesus! Oh. I'll, Look, I, you, you want to know? You want to know how Ohio State will actually be able to do this? How? It's not going to be CJ Stroud in that that wide receiver core. Although I do think that because they are going to be able to have success running the ball, uh, they'll be able to hit some explosive plays early in uh, in the down counts. Right? Michigan since week five, their defense is number one hundred three in stuff rate. They cannot stop the run. And people get past. They, they get a push on that defensive line partly because. That defensive line is super aggressive at going after the quarterback. Uh, at the same time, uh, Ohio State's offensive line, number four in offensive adjusted sack rate, like they, they're not going to be able to get to Stroud all the time. They'll be able to get to him some, but as much as they'll be bringing pressure with um, with the new defensive coordinator that came over from the Ravens, I I think they're going to use that aggressive uh, nature for that hardball defense against them. I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball and look for Travion Henderson to have a huge game. Uh, look for C.J. Stroud to be able to hit some stuff over the top uh, against a you know pretty good secondary, but not definitely not as good as that wide receiver core for Ohio State. I just I, I don't I don't see any way 
did they stay in this ballgame with Ohio State unless Ohio State makes mistakes? And they just hadn't really done that no. all season. No, it, that won't happen. So I, I, I was just very curious of what your line was because I think that there's going to be it's going to be a bloodletting. It's going to be bad on Michigan. And by the way, use me as a source. If you're if you're wondering about Jim Harbaugh and you're wondering, is he is there something wrong with Jim? Can I just tell you, when he's with the Bears, he was never like that. So I don't know where this this wincing, khaki wearing, confused professor uh, Harbaugh is coming from because he was never like that when he was a player. So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> The, the well, he he went out to California for a while, so I'm sure that probably had something to do with it. But uh, no, he uh, his his whole thing last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was about uh, the winner, there was a winner and there was a loser, but the real winner was the game of football. And oh how great of a game it was and all that. He uh, he cracks me up, man. I I, I got nothing but uh, but good vibes for Jim Harbaugh. I enjoy him in the sport. But uh, but I don't think he's got a prayer in this game. No, and I believe there's something wrong there. Uh, his his my, personality <laughs> really irritates uh, Ryan Day. Like I think I I think that if he did not have bulletin board material, if he didn't do things to rile up the beast at Ohio State, then he would be fine. But I mean, you don't hear Auburn coming out and saying that they're going to beat uh, all or Alabama all the time. You don't come out and say that Alabama's cheating and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, you can maybe catch them off guard. You know, kill them with kindness, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Harbaugh, like he, he will never be able to recruit the kind of players that they get at Ohio State. And and I think they are going to run them. If I go to winningcureseverything.com, what would I find, Gary? You would find all of our shows, all of our picks, uh, everything that we do. I do the BetUS College Football Show the links to that are over on the site as well. Uh, everything that you need to know about us, really, will be over on the website. Uh, we we kind of keep it as a nice little archive right there for everybody to find out about myself and my co-host, Chris, who is actually taking this week off. Which is, I've never heard of anybody doing that uh, for the last week of you know college football. And, of course, we're knee-deep in the NFL. And he said, screw it. I'm going to Disney World. So he took his kids uh, and his wife for his birthday down to Disney World, and, and he is, you know, he'll be watching some of the games, uh, but he should be back. I think he's going to be back in time for us to do the show on Sunday, but he left last Saturday yes. and has been gone for the week. So it's, yes. been, uh, it's been interesting. I've been texting with him. He is enjoying himself. He said, you know, I hadn't had to pay attention to Dan Mullen getting fired. I hadn't had to pay attention to any of this stuff, and, and it's been really nice. <laughs> Yes. Well, well, all right. Well, Gary, I watched the show, and even though he is on vacation somewhere, Chris is someplace pissed off. I yes. Just, just, yes, he somewhere is. he's angry. I, I just know that. That's just being a fan of the show. I'm just like, you know what? He might be on vacation. He might be in front of some sunshine and Mickey. But you know what? Somewhere he's pissed off at something. I, I will tell you. I'll tell you what he's mad about right now, and he hasn't told me this. But all the rumors that are swirling around Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mm-hmm. about Bill O'Brien maybe being their oh. next head coach, oh. I'm, I'm sure that's what he's pretty irritated about right now. <laughs> yeah, I would, too. I would, too. Well, as always, my friend, thank you, and I hope that you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. Oh, I hope the same for you as well. I appreciate our time together, my friend. I'm looking forward to many more. All right. We'll talk next week in another edition of Value Bet with me, Jonathan Hood, and Gary Seegers from WrestlingCuresEverything.com. Follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWCE.